What's up, everybody? We are back. Welcome to Real Chronicles, brought to you by RealTalking.com. I'm your host, David. I'm joined with today, Just Leo. Greetings and salutations. I actually think I'm going to change your nickname to Lucky Leo. Oh, I like it. I like that. I like that. Ryan the Temp, back again. Nah, nah, we're talking about Star Wars. I can't freaking wait. (laughs) (laughs) And because we're talking about two Star Wars movies today, I think it was only fitting that we bring in an actual Star Wars cinephile and not the ones that I mock here on a weekly basis, someone that actually (laughs) knows his shit. So welcome to the show for today, Vinny. What's up, Vin? Hello, hello. Thank you, guys. Appreciate it. So today we are looking back at the 15th anniversary of Star Wars Revenge of the Sith and the 40th anniversary of the greatest Star Wars film of all time, The Empire Strikes Back. And don't quote, don't at me at that because I will kill anyone that disagrees with me. Seriously. So before Fine best. <laughs> before we get started on that, let's look at the news of the week. Uh, not too many things I want to cover this week, except uh, we're getting another Scarface remake for written by the Coen Brothers, directed by Luca Guadagnino, who directed Call Me by Your Name. Uh, did you guys know that the 1983 uh, Tony Montana Al Pacino starring Scarface is a remake before this week? Leo, yes. no, 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 no. <laughs> Leo did not. Ryan, did you? Yes, I did. Vin, did you? Not at all. Okay, because I have had a riot on social media reading everyone think saying that Hollywood can't come up with original ideas, which they can't. Just want to preface that, but um. This is not that mountain to fight on because I would say 95% of the comments that I read on social media, on the Ryan Tomatoes sites, on Instagram, on our Instagram, uh, stated that they don't need a remake of this movie, of the 1983 movie, which I went in and corrected them that it is already a remake of a 1932 movie titled Scarface about an Italian American, similar story, rise and fall kind of situation. So, I'm okay with this, with who's c- coming on board. Coen Brothers, Luca. This could be an Oscar movie if done right. Uh, the original plan a few years ago was this remake was going to be with uh, Diego Luna from Rogue One. I'm not a really big fan of Diego Luna, so I don't know how that would have worked out. But I'm actually cool with, with, the, with this concept. Leo, since you didn't know that the 1983 movie was a remake, what are your thoughts? So look, uh, I think the the people attached to it make it like an exciting movie concept, but I think there's got to be a problem when we're remaking remakes now, bro. <laughs> well, <laughs> A Star is Born was remade two years ago, exactly, and, and it was the fourth little, time. And like Jenny said, like Little Shop on the Corner was remade twice thereafter as well. I mean, it it is a poignant thing that like there's so many remakes out there that we don't even know are remakes. So like for a Fast generation, this will be the first Scarface they see. Yeah, so, I mean, like there is some potential here for amazingness, but I don't know. I, I'm still uneasy about remakes as it is. And Vin, what do you think? Um, I'm actually a fan of remakes because I I like to think of it as it's another point of view from somebody else's view of a story. So I think getting multiple stories isn't always that bad, but it's definitely, let's say, gone overboard lately. Yeah. I, you know what the funny thing is? I um, Being from Cuban descent, I 
don't have many people from my family that like Scarface because of the portrayal of of Cubans, especially during that time, because I have family that know other people that came to Cuba during the Maria Harbor, and it's well known that Castro wanted to get rid of criminals, anyone that he didn't see fit to be living in the country. And because Tony Montana was one of those people and he's the portrayal of that particular generation, it got in a really bad rap. And the reviews, despite everyone loving it now, the reviews were really, really bad when Scarface originally came out. So it's one of those movies that's aged really well. Uh, But yeah, we'll see what happens with that. Next bit of news is something I'm excited for. I, I can't say how happy I am for you guys who are going to be able to ch- going to have a chance to see this. Hamilton's coming to Disney Plus 18 months early. It was originally going to be uh, October of 2021, but with everything going on, we are getting Hamilton on Disney Plus with the original cast from the from the musical on July 4th weekend. I can't tell you how excited I am to get your feedback on this because. I've seen the Broadway show with the original cast. This is the best Broadway show I have ever been to. It won the Pulitzer, won a whole bunch of Tonys. Have any of you guys seen the Broadway show? Uh, I'll kick it off with you, Vin, on this. No, I haven't seen the Broadway show, but I'm very familiar with it. I actually used to listen to the whole soundtrack, oh, so I'm pretty yeah. excited. It's so, so good. Leo? No, no, I haven't seen it. All I've heard is amazing things. Uh, yeah, especially I remember talking to you when you were giving us your your, your first uh, your first take on it. Um, I'm super excited, super excited. And Ryan, yeah, I've never seen it, but from what you guys are telling me, I'm excited. Yeah, just think of the only. I always use this example, and it's not a spoiler or anything like that in terms of the plot of the the, the musical. But there is a scene in the musical where George Washington and alexander hamilton are debating in rap battle on the congress floor (laughs) (laughs) like real life like real life like real life like it happens every day (laughs) so if that doesn't get you excited i don't know what does uh next bit of news is that i don't know what disney is thinking here um new mutants is not going to be streaming after all i was wrong they are that stupid to actually give it a the- theatrical release date. Uh, New Mutants will not be released on August 28th, I believe, or 24th. One of those two dates. I think this is ridiculous. It's not going to make any money. And that's kind of where I'm going to stand on that. Ryan, what do you think? Yeah, I'm with you. I think we have a platform like Disney Plus. Just put it on there. Yep. Like no one's even interested at this point. It's better off. You put it on there, get the interest, especially with the fact that you have the Fox acquisition. At least you can kind of tease a little bit of it there. Leo? Uh, so actually, I disagree. I think this is a pretty cool move by Disney. It reminds really? me of the, the, yeah, it reminds me of the whole Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. thing where it's like, this is like house money. Everyone expects this to flop. Everyone expects this not to make any money. So I think they're just going to put it in the theaters and bank on the whole concept of America's opening up again. People might go see it. I, I don't think they stand to lose much of anything. I mean, they were going to put it on a streaming platform to begin with. Mm-hmm. They could probably still split it. I, I think this is like a, I don't think they'll lose anything on this. And Vin, what do you think? Yeah, I agree with that. I think come August, you know, they're going to start opening up the theaters. People are going to want to go see movies. So if this is by Disney, it's, it's going to make some money and I think it can make more than so, we think at first. So I think the reason I I'm less, 
positive than you guys is because it's the week before uh, Labor Day and A Quiet Place 2 comes out Labor Day weekend. So it has literally one week to make money. And then A Quiet Place 2 is probably because there's so much hype for that movie. It's going to start making a lot more money. I mean, you guys make a fair point in terms of they're playing with house money. This isn't a Disney property anyway. It just happens to fall on their lap because they bought Fox. Uh, but, I mean, it's three years now that we've had this movie in pretty much done. <laughs> so we'll we'll see what happens with that. And then last bit of news before we get into our quarantine watches of the week. The CW, all the new shows will kick off in 2021. I know that Leo is very, very sad that he won't be able to see any new Batwoman until <laughs> 2021. Um, the On the positive note, we are getting Swamp Thing Season 2. I think it's a good move. And I say that with the fact that I'm happy we're getting a Season 2. I don't like it's on the CW because Swamp Thing is not the most bright show. And that seems to be CW's DC Universe. So I don't know what's going to happen there. It's actually going to be when it when it returns in 2021, it's going to be on a Tuesday. So I think it's going to be following Flash. And the other bit of CW news is that they're going to plan next year's crossover will only be uh, Batwoman and Superman. Ryan, I know you love this universe. What do you think? Um, Yeah, I'm definitely not behind the just Batwoman and Superman thing. I mean, I know it's kind of hard to top what they did this year, but to go so far the other direction, I think it's kind of a bad move. I get it. You kind of just want to play it safe now, but still. And I am I just finished uh, Flash, and I'm still watching Legends, and I'm interested to see where they go with Flash now, because I know they weren't able to do the, the rest of the season, so I'm curious on how they mix the rest of this season with what they have planned for next season. I think, before we get to Leo and Vin, I think that the fact that they had lesser seasons this year could have opened the door to try to get creative for next season in terms of creating, bringing eyes. Because I think most things have lost ratings, have lowered ratings throughout this pandemic. I mean, we're outside of Leo. I think, Vin, you're into, are you into wrestling at all? Uh, a little bit. A little bit. So, yeah. So, the ratings for wrestling and Ryan, him, Ryan and I are really big fans, have dropped so hard. When there's nothing to watch, people are still not watching. So yeah, that's insane to it, me. It, it, it's just crazy. So, I was just wondering why they didn't try to do something new with their crossover. Like, open, open 2021 with the crossover to introduce Swamp Thing. To do something like that instead of a two-man team kind of thing. So uh, what do you think, Leo? Uh, I mean, I'm pretty cool with it. As far as the... It's funny, like, the same trust I have for Disney on the movie front, I kind of have for uh, for Warner Brothers and DC on the TV front. Um, they've done really good. They've gotten progressively better. I have a feeling this is more of, like, a reset kind of thing for the CW gotcha. universe. Like, with Arrow leaving, and it's kind of like one of maybe, maybe they're just starting a little bit of like a, a ramp up after this. All right. And Vin, what do you think? If you Are you into that CW stuff? No, I actually don't have much of an opinion on it because I <laughs> haven't seen any DC shows so you, or CW shows. So I, I'm like, I think Leo and, and Leo and Ryan are the experts with that, with the C, DC, DC universe on, on the CW. I can say I am very moderate. I watched The Flash. 
I watch, well, tried to watch Batwoman, <laughs> and that's it. I, I Legends is fun, though. I'm not going to watch Legends. That's not going to happen. I have no uh, interest in Legends. Leo, do you watch Legends? Yeah, of course. Uh, I mean, look, I, I, I even go as far as Black Lightning, so I'll watch anything <laughs> that's on. Uh, yeah, I'm watching oh, I love Legends. Why is- I'm always smiling. I'm always smiling when I'm watching Legends, and you can't hate a show if you're smiling while watching. I guess. What, what, why is Why is Black Lightning still on? That's all I guess. <laughs> I think so. I, I think it just it fits it fits a need for CW. Yeah, I think and now it's, it's canon. It's a, so yeah, now 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 they, now they kind of like all right, we just have to go with it now. Yeah. All right, so that br- wraps up the news. And real quick, just yeah, go ahead. On, you said it might be too dark for the CW. Remember, Arrow started real dark. So that's hey, true. Man. Yeah. That's true. So what you're saying is that Swamp Thing is going to start really good and then get really bad, and then maybe <laughs> save itself by the end. <laughs> <laughs> this was this wasn't in my notes, but Ryan, I know Ryan and Leo, you want to shout out Supernatural? Oh yeah, the final six episodes. Um, when's it coming again? Uh, just just says end of 2020. Yeah. Uh... Oh, it's just fall so far. That's all I heard. Yeah. Smart uh, I move. Can't. I mean, since they're not starting their new stuff till 2021, give Supernatural soul, soul uh, love on CW. Yeah, I can't wait. Uh, I'm, I'm going through withdrawals, but it gives Casey some time to catch up on Supernatural. Man, I'm going to need 25 years to catch up on Supernatural. <laughs> all those fucking seasons. All right, so let's get into our quarantine watch before we get into our director breakdown for the week. What were some of the highlights that you watched this week? Outside of the Star Wars movies, obviously, Ryan. Um, actually, watched- actually, Ryan, let me cut you off. Ryan and Leo, because I know you both saw something together that I spoke about last week. So go ahead. Are you talking about Hollywood? I sure am. Oh, yeah. Hollywood was freaking awesome. Easy watch. Seven episodes blew through it. I loved every second of it. I love one thing. This isn't really a spoiler. I love the uh, what do you call it? Like, um, I can't think of the word. But in the opening scene, like the little, uh, for what do you call it? Like in the beginning of each episode, the like in the, yeah, the opening credits. Thank yeah. you. But during the opening credits, when they're climbing the Hollywood sign, Hollywood like sign, how it yeah. kind of shows the rise yeah, like, to the top. Yeah, thank you. I couldn't think of the word yeah, for it, and I, I just I, love I got that same same the homage. Leo, what do you think? Yeah, similar. Uh, I think it's, it's severely underrated when it comes to like uh, I guess the the bigger reception uh, for, as far as Rotten Tomatoes. Um, I think the I think the show's awesome. I think the performances are cool. I think you and I kept talking during the whole episodes. Like I love Darren Chris, Dylan McDermott, Parsons killed it. Um, yeah, I thought I thought it was a really great show. Yep. Uh, Ryan, did you see anything else this week? Um, yeah, I watched Heather's from your recommendation. How'd you like on it? Shutter? I enjoyed the hell out of it. So fun, right? It would never be yeah. made today. Never ever. Oh hell no. Be made today. <laughs> So it didn't didn't they do a TV series like a couple years back? Though? I be- I believe they attempted to do a TV series, but I, it never really took off. Right? Took off, yeah. I mean, Heather's would never, ever, ever, ever work today. Uh, Vin, I don't know if you've ever seen Heather's with Renona Ryder. Have you ever seen that movie? No. So Heather's yeah. is pretty much Mean Girls before Mean Girls, and but like time is ten. Because there's murder that goes on, they promote they promote suicide. It's it's fucking bananas. It's so <laughs> so fun. It's it's pretty much a a black comedy. It's really really fun. Yeah. And you like you said you liked it, right? Yeah, I did. I enjoyed it very much. And 
to finish it off, I finished uh, my binge of Clone Wars. And then I will get into that. Just to hold your thought there. And Leo, yeah. what do you see? Uh, yeah, I watched, um, other than the, the, the Star Wars anniversary movies, um, I ended up watching uh, The Drop with Gandolfini and Tom Hardy. What did you think of that? Um, I thought it was good. I thought it was really good. I, it was cool seeing Gandolfini in a different role after watching like all the Sopranos. Yep. Um, and I think with, um, with Tom Hardy, it was one of those things where like we kind of started a conversation offline about like movies he's been in, performances he's had, um, and yeah, it was it was it was it was right online with what I expect from Tom Hardy. Uh, and then I also watched Moneyball and Draft Day. Uh, I think of those two, I think Moneyball was really incredible. I just really enjoyed Draft Day, though. I thought, I thought for some reason you, that movie just, I just loved it. You never rooted harder for the Cleveland Browns. Not at all, bro. <laughs> I think afterwards, I'm like, I want, I want Kevin Costner to actually be the general manager of the Cleveland Browns. Um, I'm glad you brought up Moneyball, because Vin, I do know you're a big baseball fan. Have you ever seen Moneyball? Yeah, that's actually probably my favorite film of all time, Moneyball. <laughs> yeah, it's so, so good. It, uh, yeah, it's excellent. Ben and Miller also directed another sports film, uh, Foxcatcher, with Steve Carell. I don't know if you guys oh, have wow. had the chance nice. to see that. It's a lot darker, but it's so well written, so smartly directed. I I love Moneyball. Vin, uh, I know I didn't ask you to uh, make a list of anything, but is there any highlights of anything you watched that you wanted to shout out? Um, I actually just started catching up on the last dance. Um, I've been late to that. Yes. How, how, do you and, like, uh, how do you like it so far? I like it so far. I'm only the first two episodes in. It's good. It's nice because like I'm late to the basketball game. I started watching probably in 2006, I believe. Okay. So I don't know much of what the Bulls and Jordan was like. So it's nice to get a glimpse of that. Nice. And, uh, Welcome. <laughs> And I got uh, my girlfriend watching Sons of Anarchy finally. Oh, so nice. we've been oh no. Good stuff. Uh, what do you... So since I got to ask, not related to movies or anything, since you started in mm. 06, are you more on the LeBron thing? Yeah. You are, right? <laughs> okay. Yeah, yeah I, I was just curious. Seen, yeah, you know? that's all you see. I'm just curious. It's because uh, I, I hope that those that really... And I think Leo, Leo and I talked basketball for 20 years. I hope that after this is all over, that people that never really saw him play, that just want to say, you know, he's better than Jordan, blah, 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 have a better understanding as to why people like Leo and myself think so highly of Jordan. But you're you're still in episode one and two, but, like, I think even LeBron in his rookie year didn't reach the status quo that Jordan did in his rookie year. Mm-hmm. So I think I think by... I think Jordan may be the, may have been the best player by year two. And you'll see that as the, as the, um, as the documentary goes on. So enjoy it. You can definitely let me know what you think once you're, once you're done with it. Alrighty. Yeah, sure. So let's get into our lovely, lovely Clone Wars. I, Leo, did you get a chance to see it? Oh, for sure, bro. I okay. think that was exa- that. That's how I ended my night last night after watching the other two movies. It was the perfect, yeah. And Vin, are you familiar with the Clone Wars animated series? Yes, but I actually haven't watched the last season yet. Okay, so I we won't I won't spoil it. I'll kick off this little conversation, non spoiler discussion, by saying that these four last four episodes are better. If it was a movie, it was better than Episode One. It was better than episode two. It was better than <laughs> solo. 
It is one of the <laughs> best two hours of Star Wars in the entire saga's history, starting from 1977. It is so emotional. And I, I think, and Ryan and Leo, you may call me ridiculous, but I think the Clone Wars series and these last four episodes justify the prequels in a way. Ryan, you can kick it off here and just call me crazy. Um, I'm not going to call you crazy, <laughs> but I you, but you are kind. <laughs> no, I can kind of see, like I see, especially, did you watch everything beforehand as well? Or did you just watch the last season? I, I saw it when I was younger. Yeah. But I, I never, I didn't rewatch yeah. before the last season though. Um, like I, like I just finished the entire series. So for me, like watch, especially the, what was supposed to be the final season, which was really heavy on, uh, yeah. Leading up to it, and because it had like Yoda traveling to Dagobah, where he saw no all the action. No, that's season six. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. I that's the season six. Okay. Yeah. Uh, where he saw all the actions. It's like spoiler that happens in I think Revenge of the Sith and on, but then you get to season season seven and all that stuff happens. So I can see where you're coming from. Mm-hmm. I don't necessarily agree. That's fine. But yeah, I uh, uh, before Leo goes, uh, I think my thing is too that they made these last four episodes really feel like a movie because if you notice and then you'll notice when you get there it completely changes the opening credits to dark red to symbolize also the end of the clone wars with everything that happens there and i just think that i don't know it makes revenge of the sith a much better movie I've always felt that the Clone Wars did what Episode 3 doesn't do, and we're going to get into it later. It gave Anakin a reason in terms of his character development to do what he eventually does. Because in my in what age is worse, we're going to get into something that happens in the movie that I'm like, ah, oh, I guess. Uh, but yeah, Leo, what do you think? I could not agree with you anymore if I possibly, like... Paid money to, <laughs> like, bro, like you're you're totally right. I remember a few weeks ago we did an episode of our favorite duos, yeah, and I put my favorite duo as Anakin and um and Obi Wan, and then after watching the, the 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 movie and then watching the series, I realized I had romanticized the relationship I saw during the Clone Wars mm-hmm. animated series mm-hmm. and put it into the movie because the movie doesn't have very much of that at it all. Doesn't. It doesn't at all. Um, you you hit it on the head. It it actually gives it like a foundation, a structure, a development of relationships. Um, I I do think complex. I agree with you. I think that it's not too crazy to admit that this series as a whole makes it it, it laid the foundation for us wanting to like learn more about the uh, the the rest of the universe in a visual way. I know the novels did that beforehand, but I think that this was like the first well done like out of the universe type of thing. And I and I will say this, I'm kind of bummed we didn't get ah- Ahsoka until now live action cuz her yeah. arc ends so beautifully. The last shot of that series is perfection and I'm not going to I'm not going to say it here but it's absolute perfection. So yeah, if you guys haven't seen the last season of the Clone Wars, the first 8 episodes are n- not great. It's 9 through 12 that you're going for. That's kind of where I'm I, I stand there. All right. Last thing I want to mention before we get into it, I did see Scoob, and it's fine. Not as good as I 
Oh, really? Aww. Yeah. It's fun. It's not it's not going to an animated feature at the Oscars. I was completely wrong on that. Uh and and then I saw the worst movie I think I will see this year. I saw Capone. Um Tom Hardy's worst performance of his career. If you want to see Tom Hardy shit on beds, if you want to see Tom Hardy shit on in chairs, Capone's your your cup of tea. That movie is god awful. Josh Trank needs to stop directing. That's kind of where I where I leave that. All right. Let's get to it. George Lucas is our director that we will break down today. I have his filmography up. It's not very long. Nah, that's what she said. <laughs> Alrighty. So THX one one three eight. Have you guys seen it? I think I may be the only one that has seen it. Ryan, have you seen that? Nope. Leo. No, uh, I saw some scenes on the documentary, but no. <laughs> and Vin, no, right? Nope. Alrighty. Um it's it's not that great. Has potential. You kind of see what he wants to do in a later movie I'm about to mention. Uh, but yeah, I wouldn't say it's anything spectacular. American Graffiti. I actually have only seen a few scenes from here, so I can't say anything, but it looked like it was a good time. Uh, Ryan, have you seen that? No, I have not. Leo? Nope. And Vin? Nope. All righty. I guarantee the next movie you all have seen. <laughs> um, Star Wars. Is Star Wars a great movie? Ryan? What's Star Wars? No. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> Leo. Ditto. Vin. Yes. <laughs> he does not direct another movie for 22 years. <laughs> That's insane, man. That's insane. I, I thought I thought I was looking up the wrong filmography. I'm like, there's nothing else. I. This is and I have a grade. I'm gonna, I have a, a, something I'll say once we finish these these next three about George Lucas. And maybe, you know, I'm giving him too much credit here. But next movie, Star Wars Episode One: The Phantom Menace. Ryan, is that a good movie? No. Leo, is that a good movie? Hell no. And Vin, please tell me you don't like that movie. No. <laughs> all right. Um, <laughs> it has good scenes. That's yeah. that's all I got. I think yeah. it has three good scenes. And Solid ending. So Beautiful ending. Well, I want to say yeah, beautiful. Great ending. Great ending, yeah. Uh, episode two, the worst Star Wars movie of them all. Ryan, do you like episode two? No. Leo? No. And Vin? No. Alrighty. <laughs> and finally, the movie we, the movie we're gonna kick off now, Revenge of the Sith. Ryan, is that a good movie? Um, it's a mad movie. I oh. wouldn't say it's good, but I wouldn't say it's bad. Oops. Meh. Alright, Leo? I tell you, I think I think uh, that's a pretty. That's, I'm right on the same level. I think it's I think it's the best of those three, but if you put it in the rest of the lineup, I still think it's okay. Wow. So I think me and Vin may be on the same boat here because off of uh, chat on Facebook, uh, I think Revenge of the Sith is a really really good movie. And Vin, what do you think? I think it's really good, and I think it's aged really well too. Yeah, I think it's aged really really well in terms of the moments in the movie. I won't say the script is any good. But there is a lot of great stuff in Revenge of the Sith. Now, with all these wonderful films here, do you what think... What a litany of films. I know. Do you think George <laughs> Lucas is a good filmmaker? Uh, he's a meh. So he knows how to leave a mark. 
I'll I'll use the same logic I used last week for uh for Burton. for Burton. Like mathematically, the dude only flopped twice. Like that's that's one two that's four amazing hits. Well, like, Rotten Tomatoes is wise. He's got four. Yeah, yeah. I would say he is a good, really good. I uh oh, oh, oh boy. All right, Vin. What do you think? Um, I think he's good. It's like his ideas are better than his oh, actual glad direction. You, glad you said that because <laughs> that that kind of segues way into what I wanted to say. I will give George Lucas a pass for life because he gave me Star Wars. I don't exactly. think he's a good director. I think George Lucas has incredible ideas, but he just doesn't know how to get them on the screen. If that makes any sense, I think he mm-hmm. struck. I think he struck lightning in the director chair with Star Wars because look at what he did with the final. Well, two out of the last three. I think yeah, he was able to create. Yeah, I think he was able to create these stories, and obviously, you know, we're gonna get into the best of those stories in a, little, in a little bit, but I just don't think he knew what he was good at. Let's just put it that way. And I think that's why you saw less of him directing and more of him collecting Star Wars checks for the rest of his life. <laughs> <laughs> and that's another reason I think he never made in too many movies. He didn't have to. Like, he really just said, you know, fuck it. I don't got to do any of this shit. So, all right. So that wraps up our director chat for this week. We will see who comes up next week, but let's get into it. Star Wars Episode 3, the 15th anniversary of Revenge of the Sith. Before we get into it, I'm going to skip production of the film for this one because everything was just pretty much status quo. Everything happened and there was no real issues within the production of the film. So we're going to kick it off a little different with Ryan. What was your first thoughts when viewing Revenge of the Sith? I was a doe-eyed kid. I enjoyed the shit out of it. I'm not even going to bullshit. I was just happy. It was Star Wars. I marked out. I'm especially, I was happy. I'm like, I'm like, I still wanted more. I'm like, come on, that was it. Come on, give me more Star Wars. Let me mainline more shit. And Leo, what do you think? What did you think first off? <laughs> uh, not, not as, not that much of a, of a crazy fan yet, but I did know that, uh, the fight on Mustafar was going to happen. So I just really, really wanted to see the fight on Mustafar. <laughs> And what do you think, Vin, first time? Uh, so it actually was the movie that really made me a fan, considering I got into Star Wars late as well. Mm-hmm. And I unfortunately watched 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6. <laughs> uh, but 3 three was the one that just flipped the switch for me and made me a fan of the movie. So I loved it. Nice, nice. So for me, Star uh, Revenge of the Sith was the first movie I uh, pre-bought tickets. And it was before the internet was selling tickets. So I literally walked my ass to the old Sea Caucus Theater, uh, Lowe's 8. Yes. And I bought my ticket two weeks early. That's the old days of getting tickets. So <laughs> I personally was a big fan, and I post on the on the, um, on the the site a lot our uh, Twitter reactions to movies. So this is kind of a Twitter reaction kind of thing in 2005 from Kevin Smith. He wrote a whole article i'm not going to actually read the entire article just a snippet and that got me more hyped up outside of the great trailers because i remember the first the teaser trailer where you have obi-wan talking about the rise of the empire and that teaser trailer is fantastic and at the end of the trailer you hear the emperor say uh lord vader rise that trailer is phenomenal so 
well, Kevin Smith said, uh, Revenge of the Sith is quite simply fucking awesome. This is a Star Wars prequel the haters have been bitching for since Menace came out. And if they don't cop to that when they finally see it, they're lying. As a, as dark as Empire was, the movie goes a thousand times darker from the triggering of Order 66, which has all the shock troopers turning on the Jedi Knights they've been fighting besides throughout the Clone Wars and gunning them down to the jaw-dropping Anakin Obi-Wan fighter Mustafar. Ben leaving Skywalker burning uh, alive on the shores is one of the most saddest things I've ever seen on screen. And the flick is so satisfyingly tragic, you'll think you're watching Othello or Hamlet. Kevin Smith is great with words that really, <laughs> really, really kind of made it even more reason for me to want to see it. I loved it. I, um, I think, and we may get into it a little later. If not, I'll say it now. I think that's probably the best lightsaber battle in the saga. It's, you know, that and Vader and Luke and I probably empire, I think, this that one had that one's more for the emotion. This is has emotion and the the parkour. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's actually Ryan Tomatoes is the only prequel that's high that higher than a sixty five. It's an eighty percent. Nice. So let's get into our categories. The trophy room. Real quick, yes. I have a question for everyone. What's up? What got everyone into Star Wars in the first place? Um, I was seven years old. And I remember this like it was yesterday. I was seven years old and we had show and tell in our third grade class or second grade class. And a little boy, one of my classmates brought the Star Wars VHS tapes to, to show off. And the way he talked about it, I was like, oh, what is, what is this? So I he lent them to me and that's it. I watched uh, four, five and six. And I I now I'm obsessed with Star Wars. Ryan, what, what How are you, Leo? Yeah, I'll go. Um, so with me, it was uh, I, I grew up mostly a Star Trek Next Generation fan, and I not that much on Star Wars. I know my grandpa really liked Star Wars, um, and I know he left me like a VHS that he uh, that he had of it. And I think a few years, like maybe it was before the fourth. I think it was before, yeah, a couple of, maybe a couple of months before the release of uh, of Revenge of the Sith. I decided to kind of like you know what, let me give him a chance. And um and I started watching them and binge watching them from there on, uh. But it was it was mainly just me me saying to myself, I think I would probably like this because everyone else seems to love this. <laughs> uh, but uh, but yeah, I I, I and I, it was it was legit. I, I definitely fell in love with the world. Uh, but uh, but yeah, it was definitely like a kind of like a lucky break in a, in a sense. What about you, Vin? Uh, so actually my ex-girlfriend's family loved it. I never saw it. And 10 years ago, they're like, you need to just sit down and watch it. So they made me watch it. Like I said, I went one through six. And I think after three, I was just like, this is so awesome. This story, like, yes, there was some cringy acting in the first three, but the story was just incredible. And what about you, Ray? Um, I was born into it. My mother growing up has Star Wars everywhere. Oh, like wow. there was, my mom had a star, a Darth Vader standee, like I would say probably five, six feet tall. And if I can find the photo, I'll, I'll send it to one of you guys so you can post it up. And then I was probably five, six dressed as Darth Vader standing in front of it. But I grew up with Star Wars all around me and it was awesome. So to me, Star Wars will always have a special place. I mean, wow. it, I'm to the point now that I record this podcast every week looking at a signed, Carrie Fisher Empire Strikes Back poster with two lightsabers in front of me. 
So True. I mean that just <laughs> that that shows how much I love it. But in terms of the trophy room, it did not win any Oscars. Uh George Lucas was presented with the thirty third American Film Institute Lifetime Achievement Award during this time. It won the favorite motion picture and favorite dramatic motion picture at the People's Choice Awards, the Hollywood Movie of the Year at the Hollywood Film Festival, Empire Awards Sci-Fi Fantasy Film, and the Teen Choice Award for Action Movie. Sure, why not? Uh, It's actually every film in the original trilogy. It won the Saturn Award for Best Sci-Fi Film. And it was out of the three prequels, the film only received one Razzie nomination. Ryan, do you want to guess who got that nomination? Hayden Christensen. Very good. That is exactly <laughs> who got. And you know what? Like, I'm, I may be alone here. I don't think he's that bad here. No, he wasn't that bad, but the damage was done. Yeah, yeah. the damage was done too. Uh, in terms of box office, the movie, $113 million budget, which it seems like chump change today for a Star Wars movie. $868 million at the box office. So it was the highest grossly film of 2005. Now, let's get into what's age best. Ryan, I'll let you kick it off. Battle of Mustafar. Easy. Hands oh, down. Yeah. <laughs> Leo, what about you? Yeah, I totally agree there. But since it was taken, um, I actually, I'll say the, uh, the landscape. I think the scenery of how the rest of the universe looked, especially in the city scenes, I think that aged pretty cool. Okay. Uh, what about you, Vin? What do you have for that? Uh, definitely the opera scene with Palpatine and Anakin. Yes, I have that on my list as well. Yeah. So I will piggyback off you guys. I have that scene. I have um, the the lightsaber battle, of course. So the reason I want to bring up the battle, though, is because the battle was something I wrote a 10-page paper on in my film class in 2005. <laughs> So, in terms of the lightsaber battle, you 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 obviously have Obi Wan and and Annie, but you don't. I don't hear a lot of people talk about Palpatine and Yoda, and how why I feel that's so important. One thing that you notice is that once the battle starts, you don't have any more than maybe ten words of dialogue, and it's all John Williams score throughout the entire maybe twenty minute mm-hmm. scene. But the most the more most important thing for me is not just Obi-Wan and Anakin. I think Yoda and Palpatine fighting in the Senate and destroying every pretty much destroying democracy when the empire is is rising while destroying every aspect of the Senate. I think it's so symbolic as to where the where that world is going into a dictatorship. And this is me just always, you know, I always try to look at everything like outside of the box and more of a philosophical way in, in terms of film. And I think people don't look at that too, too often in terms of what it really does symbolize is that the end of the Republic is going on in, right before your eyes with that scene. So that's a, that I just want to give my two cents on that because I've, I've always felt that that scene is so powerful, not just for what happens with Annie and Obi. Um, no, I, I totally agree with you there. I also have very emotional scene. Obi-Wan's You Were the Chosen One. I love that scene. Oh, that's a beautiful scene. I love yeah. that scene because Hugh McGregor is like, make sure that he invokes so much emotion because Obi-Wan is heartbroken that he has to do this. Uh, Padme's death. 
She's not, you know, her Padme death simultaneously with with a Vader pretty much being reborn. I think that's really dope. The birth of the twins, um, the building of the Death Star. I do like seeing Tarkin at the end with the Death Star beam being um being being built. But age, this kind of kicks. Oh, and Order sixty six. That's obviously. Oh yeah, I have it on mine too. So this kind of the building of the Death Star kind of what's age worse takes twenty two years to build one Death Star. Then it takes five <laughs> years to build another one. Well, because they have the plans already. That's why. <laughs> I, I was like, it, it's good. To, I, I, you got to give George Lucas credit there. I mean, I know what he's trying to do, but I'm like, I would say maybe not 22 years. How how old is Luke in, in, in New Hope? Maybe like 17, 18. Is that what he's supposed to be? Uh, 16 to 18, I would say. Okay, let, let's, get, let's give him 17. It takes him 17 years to build that first Death Star. And, uh, Which was somewhat completed because you see him looking at it. Yeah, they had already started. <laughs> Ryan, Ryan, did you just say the Death Star was nearly completed? And in, in, not nearly. In, I said it was like already started. Yeah, and it took him seventeen years. And then what? What? What would you say that it would be nine years or six years before um, New Hope and Return of the Jedi? So it takes him six years to build the other one. Or halfway there, so I just always thought and that who knows was how funny. long they took to put the order in to get the parts and shit to make the second one. <sighs> I love you, Ryan. But no. Um, all right, another thing that's age worse for me: Anakin's turn. Yeah. If we didn't have the Clone Wars, I think this. I've always felt that I get you have to get everything done in this last movie. It's kind of like the the last couple of episodes of of Game of Thrones that everyone always has complaints about. Um, it felt very rushed. Like one minute he's like, "All right, Mace, we're gonna get this guy," and the next minute he's like, "No, nah, I'm gonna cut your hands off, and you're fucked. You're fucked." Uh, I thought it was a little rushed. He just automatically was like, "Okay, you know this Dark Lord is telling the truth, whatever." But yeah, those are the two things that's age worse for me. Ryan, what do you have? Age worse, I have um, Padme dying of sadness. That still pisses me off to this day. <laughs> <laughs> you, you're not a fan. No, you die, like of all the technological advances they have, she dies of sadness. Some people like, do seriously? die of sadness, man. Some some people do die of sadness. No, 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 you no. <laughs> all right, well, no. Will you have anything else? No, because no. All right, what about you, Leo? Uh, my number one thing that's aged the worst is midi chlorine. <laughs> 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 Trying to explain the force in a scientific way. Was, I think that just aged very badly, and I think most people just kind of disregarded it after the fact. And actually, just like you, D, um, Hayden, uh, well, um, Anakin's turn, I think this turn makes you appreciate the Driver's performance oh, as Kylo Ren yes. so, so much more. Yes, Because he, he's able to accomplish what Christensen was supposed to accomplish without the need of an animated series. Absolutely. What about you, Vin? I have Padme's death as well, and clearly the dialogue Padme and Anakin had. So I, I didn't bring that up because that was too easy, but if you, I'll kick it off with Vin. If you have anything off the top of your head, what do you think is the worst conversation that they have in episode three, if you have anything off the top of your head? I mean, I can't think of off the top of my head, but the last scene of when he's choking her, like that's it's really cringeworthy. <laughs> what? It's, so I I don't know if Leo and Rai have anything, but the one I have is when they're in their bedroom, and Padme's like, "You're just stressed. It's gonna be okay." <laughs> like, no, that's that's not that doesn't work very well. Uh, all right, 
that guy from award i think there's no other choice here but i'll let vin kick it off who do you have is that guy uh, i'm sorry which award is this that guy when you watch episode when you watch him in another movie who is the who and you say oh yeah that's that guy from star wars Oh, it's Ewan McGregor. <gasps> That's what I, you say? Oh no! Wow. It's, but wow. it's it's not like saying because Ewan McGregor's hasn't accomplished much. But to me, that's always Obi Wan Kenobi. Oh wow! That's and we'll to be fair, he started with the prequels. I'll give you that. Yeah, that that that's yeah. a good that's a good that's a good kickoff. Oh, this is not going the direction I thought it was going to go. Very good and stuff. How man. I feel about Revenge of the Sith, which we'll get into later. Like, yeah. No matter what, that's Obi Wan Kenobi. No matter. And like I'm not saying he can't do anything else because he has, and he's one of my favorite actors now. Yeah. But he will always be Obi Wan Kenobi. Uh, Ryan, who do you have? Hayden Christensen and Leo. Who do you have? So for Revenge of the Sith specifically, Joel Edgerton. Oh, but he's done so much. I don't look at him as the guy from no, Star Wars. I, for some reason, all I know him was was as Uncle Owen, as young Uncle Owen. When I saw him <laughs> next, when I saw anything after that, I remember the very first time I saw him because I think he was in Warrior. He was. I was like, I was like, wait a minute, is that Uncle Owen from The Revenge of the Sith? Fun. Uh, so for me specifically, it's that. Fun fact: I didn't even remember Joel Egerton was him, was Uncle Owen. I didn't. I don't know. Remember. It was like, it was kind of like um. So you remember you guys all saw the start the J.J. Uh, Abrams Star Trek movies? Yes, I did. So you know when like when Chris Hemsworth shows up on that one, you're like you never expect this guy that was like a really bit character to, to be become Thor. like a big actor. Yeah, that's that that was Edgerton for me. I'm like I I never thought I would see him again. And then I'm like wait a sec. <laughs> so I went with Hayden Christensen. Uh, okay. Be- it's it's I mean for me I any other movie I even saw Jumper. Just to support uh, yeah. him because he was Anakin Skywalker. <laughs> and Jumper is trash. Yeah. So that's kind of where I went there. There's no crying in baseball award. I actually have a few scenes that kind of t- had me tear up. Uh, Ryan, I'll kick it off with you. Do you have anything? No, nothing makes me cry. <laughs> no, I didn't. Well, what about sand? <laughs> <laughs> Well, I didn't think you meant like that. And then most of this movie makes me cry like that. <laughs> All right, what about you, Leo? Uh, nothing, nothing really, really tear prompting. But the "You Were the Chosen One" I think was the, your heart broke when mm-hmm. you said that. Uh, what about you, Vin? Anything there? Yeah, just you were the chosen one. Yep, same here. You were the chosen one. You have no heart, Ryan. No fucking yeah, heart whatsoever. All right, <laughs> Shrimp Six Man of the Film Award. I'll kick this one off. Ian McDermott. Emperor Palpatine. Yes. Easily, yeah. easily for me. He is incredible in this. Uh, what about you, Rye? Same. Leo? Absolutely the same, yeah. And Vin? Yep, Ian McDermott. I, uh, it's crazy that, and we're going to get into it a little later when we talk about the saga as a whole. It's crazy that he was meant to be nothing more as kind of like this one-off character in Return of the Jedi, and he created this arc that has created, made him such a huge, huge tour de force for like Star Wars fans. They all, lo- I mean, I love Palpatine, and, and that's a lot. It's solely based on that performance. He is so, so great. Because I don't think, I think it's mostly in Episode One and Two, and you guys can correct me if I'm wrong or if you guys think I'm wrong. Um. 
I don't think he's does that much to warrant the love he gets. It's this movie that kind of triggers that love for me for that character. Uh, I don't know if you guys would disagree, Rai, Leo, or Vin. No, yeah, no, this movie definitely uh, shows him, like really makes the character shine a lot more than the other two. Alrighty. Next up, Becky O'Shea Icebox Award. Who was the MVP of the film? Vin, I'll let you kick this one off. I'm going with the same person. I think Ian McDermott was. Interesting. Okay, cool. So I went in a little different direction. Uh, Leo, where'd you go? That's funny. I was going to go exactly where Vin went on that, but I always feel weird about giving two awards so, for, to one so person. I. So, <laughs> so I, I, I gave it to uh, Ewan McGregor as Obi-Wan. And specifically for the You Are the Chosen One scene, I think that he, he gave the best performance in the whole film. Ryan, what did you go with? I go with uh, Obi-Wan for similar reasons, but also he captures Grievous. He does a lot of the heavy work, and he has an awesome fight with Anakin and wins, technically. Technically. He really lost. Because he had to go into hiding. He lost. He won the fight. He won the fight. But no, yeah, yeah, I went with you and McGregor, too. Um, For that scene, especially the Chosen One scene, uh, I also, you know, think that if we're going to say Ian McDermott, I think the scene for me for him is at the opera scene where he's telling Anakin about Darth Plagueis the wise. I think that scene is really solid stuff. Yeah. And shout out to uh, Tim Curry for doing the voice on The Clone Wars. He did an excellent job as Palpatine on there. Yeah, he does. Alrighty. Finishing up, Peaks and Valleys. Who peaked with Revenge of the Sith? And I am cheating here because I am breaking my rule of not giving two peop- a, a person two category wins. Uh, Hayden Christensen peaked here. I got. No, I don't think he did anything else after this that is warranted in terms of career-wise. Uh, Ryan, what about you? Same, Hayden Christensen. And Leo. Yeah, I think this movie did the Alicia Silverstone in Batman and Robin. Like This movie destroyed his career. <laughs> Ironically, it's, it's his best performance out of the three. I mean, out of the yeah, two. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I agree. I think it was, his, it was his best performance of the three. But yeah, Hayden Christensen was the lead, or if not co-lead, of a Star Wars movie. He should have done so many amazing things after this. Yeah, and Vin, what about you? Yeah, I have Hayden as well. I don't think it's all on him, but... No, it's not. It's I agree. I think I do think he gets a bad rap because it's it's more Lucas's writing than oh, than anything right. like that. Um all right, so let's go into some fun facts for the film. I have Oh no, wait. Oh, wait we forgot Valley. Yep, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So Valley, if no one has Natalie Portman, that's yeah. it's all <laughs> Natalie Portman, right? Yeah. Actually, I have Ian yeah. McGregor. Really? Yeah, cuz they can do uh King speech and all that. And no, he did not do stuff? King speech. Oh, I thought he did some shit afterward. No, he my did bad. not. That's right. Colin Firth, my friend. That's Colin Firth. Not all, all right. British I, people are the same. It's the, it's the other British guy. Yeah. <laughs> all right, then I'll go with Natalie Portman. All right. What about you, Vin? You have Natalie Portman too. Yes. yes. Yeah. <laughs> if you win an Oscar, you're gonna get. You're gonna win this category. That's kind of where I where I Absolutely. stand here. Absolutely. Yes, that's a, I agree. <laughs> and a well deserved Oscar. If you guys haven't seen Black Swan, watch Black Swan. Black Swan is incredible, and she is. Yo, Go ahead. Dave, yes. Let me let me ask. Isn't it incredible how many like iconic franchises she's a part of now? And you know what the funny thing is about Natalie Portman is 
that she gave zero fucks at the time that she was involved in those franchises. Exactly. Like, she phoned it in on Star Wars. She phoned it in in Thor. And, like, she is part of those franchises. And now she like, can't And now she can't phone it in because she is Thor. Oh, my gosh. So that, that's going to be interesting. Uh, alrighty. So, I have 15 facts for our 15-year anniversary of Re- Revenge of the Sith. You guys, by all means, if you guys have anything after I finish mine, feel free to let, let us know. Number one, a 10-year-old Han Solo is going to appear in the Battle of Kashyyyk as an orphan being raised by Chewbacca. He would have helped locate General Grievous by finding part of the transmitter droid that was sending signals from Utapal, allowing Obi-Wan to find and confront the villain. Interesting. I don't know how that would have... I guess it's a good Easter egg. We do get the Millennium Falcon Easter egg. I don't know if you guys noticed that, but in early on in the movie when... After Obi Wan and Anakin rescued the the the, uh, the Emperor, there is a scene where they're landing, and you see the Millennium Falcon landing with all those uh, ships there. Yep. Oh shit! Yeah. The, the original cut of the movie is four hours. The opening battle with Palpatine rescue alone ran over an hour. The extra footage of the Palpatine rescue was actually used for the Revenge of the Sith video game that was on PS2. Uh, Chancellor Palpatine's strategy for maintaining power is known to political scientists as perpetual war. He comes to power through conflict with the Trade Federation, gains greater privileges through the Clone Wars, and solidifies his position through war on uh, on the Jedi in Revenge of the Sith. This one has bums me out. I don't know if you guys knew this, but Liam Neeson has said that he recorded a cameo as Qui-Gon Jinn which was to be featured in a scene with Yoda, further explaining the concept of Jedi communicating from beyond the grave. In the script, the dialogue in which Qui-Gon is heard not seen appeared in the scene in which Yoda is meditating on the secret asteroid base just before Bail Organa informs him of Obi-Wan's return with Padme. Fun fact about that, they do something similar to that in Clone Wars in sixth season. That's Yeah, yeah I would I would have liked that. I mean, we... It's one of those on the nose because we know episode four, five, and six. We know what he means at the end of the movie. And for you, Vin, it must have been you. You probably didn't know what they were talking about at the time, right? Like the Force Ghost, right? So yeah, you, I had yes. no idea. So that's why I'm like, all right, they could have explained a little bit more for those that are starting up the one, two, and three. Uh, according to Ahmad Best, do you guys remember who Ahmad Best plays? Yep. No, you don't. Oh, Vin, let it, let them know. <laughs> Jar Jar Binks. Oh, okay. I suck with actors' <laughs> names. <laughs> so there was a deleted. There was a deleted scene where he crowned himself before he was crowned emperor. Palpatine mockingly thanked Jar Jar Binks for granting him the emergency powers that allowed him to take over the galaxy. Because people forget that he's the one that in the, in the Senate spoke up and uh, stated that to give the Chancellor emergency powers which is what led to what eventually happened so that would have been an interesting scene especially Fucking how, how condescending that would have been um this one sucks gary olden was originally supposed to play general grievous hmm. so i i think it would have just who did been, play him what's the actor's I name i actually don't know who plays him Vin, do you know who plays <laughs> general grievous no i don't not off the top i yeah i have no idea but i because uh, George Lucas used actors who are not part of the uh, SAG, which Oldman, Oldman is a member. He declined. 
So that that was that. George Lucas initially said that no characters from the original movies would appear in this movie apart from baby Luke and Leia. However, the final movie also has Yoda, Obi-Wan, Darth Vader, Palpatine, Chewbacca, Tarkin, Mon Mothma, R2-D2, C-3PO, Owen Lars, Baru Lars, all whom appear in the original trilogy. As but I, no one's going to appear. <laughs> as I mentioned before, the Falcon is seen landing in one scene in the film. Next up, one of the early concepts for General Grievous was actually a small child sitting on a floating chair guarded by two IG-88 droids from Empire Strikes Back. George Lucas rejected this idea because he did not feel that a child would be taken seriously as the deadliest hand-on-hand fighter uh, the galaxy has seen. Whatever, man. But a little green guy is. <laughs> uh, number 10, a glimpse of the original backstory as seen in the novelization of Star Wars Episode Six: Return of the Jedi, as well as strongly implied by Leia's line in said movie, shows us that her mother, who is now known to be Padme, was originally meant to survive Anakin's turn. So, I mean, it's tough. You can't bring... you. you could, there's no way she could have survived these three movies because then you would have been like, where the fuck was she? In four, five, and six. Alderaan. Oh well, yeah, and Alderaan gets destroyed. That's a good point. Yeah, yeah, it's good, good, good one, Rye. You should call George Lucas. I will. I'll tweet him right now. Next, <laughs> next up, this movie more or less backs up Leia's claim in Star Wars Episode Six: Return of the Jedi that she vaguely remembers her biological mother Padme, and I always wonder why they would say that if Lucas would, you know how Lucas is going to do that because she says that, how, you know, she vaguely remembers her mother. And this is pretty pretty deep, deep cut, but I do like this. Though her face is not seen before Padme dies, she is seen with her eyes wide open when she is adopted by Bail Organa and his wife, implying Leia did see her mother's face. Luke's claim he has no memories of their mother is also supported as his eyes were closed after he was born and was seen fast asleep when Kenobi hands him over to Beru Lard at the end of the movie. So that's a pretty dope scene. Uh, the sequence in which Palpatine announces the Empire while Darth Vader kills the Separatist leaders was modeled after the infamous baptism sequence in The Godfather. No wonder I like it so much. <laughs> <laughs> the movie's title refers to Sith getting their revenge, something to which was already alluded to in Star Wars Episode One: The Phantom Menace. It is, however, never exp- ex- mentioned in any movie what they actually are seeking revenge for. In official Star Wars canon, the Sith Order emerged from a group of Jedi who challenged the old doctrine that self-sacrifice and restraint were the were the way to access the Force. Due to the belief that they could harness its power through their violent passion, these Sith Lords were exiled from the Jedi Order, and that's how the Sith uh, were, was born. The Sith subsequently band together according to the Rule of Two, a Master and an Apprentice, with the common goal to conquer the Galactic Republic and the exact and to exact their revenge against the Jedi Order. And that's kind of where the revenge stems from. Samuel L. Jackson, two more. Samuel L. Jackson knew he was going to die in this movie, so he made sure to ask George Lucas if he's going to die. He does not want to go out like some punk. (laughs) And finally, during the final confrontation between Annie and Obi, a different scene was conceived that was ultimately overturned by George Lucas. In the end, Anakin would have had Obi-Wan by the throat about to strike the final blow. Anakin says, I'm sorry it has to be this way, my master. Anakin swings his lightsaber for Obi-Wan's head, but during that move, Obi-Wan force pulls his lightsaber from a different direction, but as he made the turn to defend his back, the lightsaber ignites and cuts through Anakin's arms. 
stunt coordinator uh, Nick Gillard said that they bat- they battled the hardest to keep that scene in, but in the end, George Lucas went with the high ground scene. I think that other scene would have been a lot better. Absolutely. Yeah, so much better. And that's all I have. Do you guys have any facts that you want to throw out there? Uh, I'm not sure if it's fact, but I heard that Samuel Jackson had a bad motherfucker on his lightsaber. Oh, I did Fun not fact. know that. But that's yeah, I heard that too. That's funny. <laughs> uh, Leo, you got anything? And Vin, do you have anything? Uh, no, I don't. All right, cool. Uh, legacy of the movie. Uh, I think what Vin said early on is on the nose of what I feel. I think that movie, the movie has aged really, really well in terms of its stance with Star Wars fans. And I think we'll get to it when we talk about the saga and the whole later. I think it's the fact that people still... You know, people are now saying the prequels are better than the sequel trilogy. I don't agree with that, but I think that is uh, has a lot to do with how good Revenge of the Sith is. So that's my two cents. Ryan, what do you got? I mean, I'm glad that we didn't end on Revenge of the Sith, that we got the more stories that we ended up getting, but it definitely has aged well. I can It's an easy watch for me, and it's Star Wars, so I'm happy. What about you, Van? What do you have? Yeah, same. I mean, especially now with what we get in Rise of Skywalker, it makes Episode 3 that much more important, and then that opera scene that much more important because it helps explain, you know, the final movie and the whole saga now. Exactly. And Leo, what about you? Yeah, yeah I think uh, much like, I think the one thing that like a bunch of us have all mentioned is that Mustafar fight, um, and just the overall origin of how Anakin became Vader visually. I think that that was... Uh, I think that scene in the general just kind of like makes this movie necessary just to see like the creation of one of the best villains we've have on screen. I agree. Agree hundred percent. All right. From one movie to a movie, I don't think any of us will say any bad things about. So next movie, the 40th anniversary of what I consider the best star Wars movie of all time, the best movie of 1980. And Probably has some of the best, probably number two best twist in movie history. I would I would still think Psycho's twist is still number one, but I think the reveal in this movie is probably number two for me as the best twist of all time. So with that being said, I do have a little bit in terms of production this time. Uh, George Lucas's Star Wars in 1977 was an unexpected box office success and quickly became a pop culture phenomenon. Lucas, who did not expect the success, stopped doing publicity after a while because it became too overwhelming. The success of Star Wars and its licensing opportunities meant that a sequel was inevitable. And at that time, and I think I spoke about this when we talked about The Godfather Part Two in the 70s, sequels were not popular. They were usually a failure. So Lucas was hesitant to create the sequel however since he has this whole plan in terms of completing the saga a sequel was inevitable in terms of uh its release uh the the film the box office for the film was 30 547 million dollars on a 33 million dollar budget so it did make a lot of money but not as much as some as it would have expected with the success of the original star wars in terms of the script, Lucas began outlining the film around August 1977 and introducing ideas such as the Emperor and the notion that Luke Skywalker had a long-lost sister. 
Lucas also started considering ways to explain Luke actor uh, Mark Hamill's facial scars, which he got from a motorcycle accident in 1977. I don't know if you guys noticed that his he does have scars on his face in Empire uh, within the context of Scar- Star Wars universe. Lucas wow. told him that Ham had Hamill died in the car accident, he would have replaced Luke with a new character. So yeah. that that's an interesting thought there. Uh, release date May seventeenth, nineteen eighty, and at the premiered at the Kennedy Center, and it premiered in the U.S. May twenty first, nineteen eighty. Now, same question as before. First time watching Empire. Uh, question is a little different though. Did you know the reveal before you watched it? I'll kick it off with Vin this time. Yeah, unfortunately I did, but it was still really nice to see it play out. Yeah. What about you, Leo? Yeah, same. I think through pop culture, you you kind of already knew the line was coming, but same same to Vin. It was really cool finally seeing what the big hype was about. And Rye. No, I did not. My mother made serious? sure of it. No, I watched it. I was watching Star Wars at a very early age. Good so, shit, man. What what did you think about the reveal? Then I have to ask right off the top. Oh, I was very happy. I was like, oh, that was awesome. Were you surprised? Yeah, I was like, I can't remember my exact emotions because I was probably four or five at the time. Yeah. <laughs> so I can't tell you. Like, I was probably like, that was super mom. <laughs> like, I can't tell you. But no, I was very happy with it. And yeah, then they came out with the special editions. <laughs> I would say, and the Empire Strikes Back special edition editions, I think are the ones that I'm most okay with. Uh, oh, yeah. That's including uh, Ian McDermott and the Emperor scene in in Empire. Everything else I hate, but I think that you know that specific one that was used. I think it, it was a a good addition. Uh, in terms of me, I saw it. I knew th- I knew the reveal was coming, and like Vin and like all you guys, it was still awesome to see. Uh, in terms of trophy room, the Empire Strikes Back was nominated for. Four Academy Awards, winning none. Uh, no, I lie. It won Best Sound Mixing, a category that does not exist anymore. Um, and it also won a Special Achievement Academy Award. Uh, it was also nominated for one, two, four, three BAFTAs and one original score. It was nominated for a Glow for Original Score, and it won Best Picture, Best Director, Best Actor, Best Special Effects at the Saturn Awards, and it was also nominated for WGA uh, for best adapted screenplay. Here's a before we get into our categories. Do you guys think that this is a better score than Star Wars, like for John yes. Williams? Mm-hmm. Absolutely yes. Then what yeah. do you think? Yeah, of course. You got yeah. Imperial March. Yeah, for me, like I have Imperial March. I have Yoda's theme. Yoda's theme really works for me. I have Han and Leia's theme, and obviously the Star Wars March. I think. There's more memorable themes here than there are in the Star Wars. And I mean, Star Wars changed the game with scores, but I, I do prefer Empires. Uh, all right. What age best? And you can't say the entire movie. Damn it. <laughs> I'll let Vin kick this one off. Oof. What's age best? I have to pick one. Um, Can I pick a specific moment? Oh, you can pick anything, man. You could list all a right. few if you want. I think Luke leaving Dagobah. To go get Han and Leia aged best. Especially considering because he did that out of the love for his friends. And then if you go to the prequels, which obviously came out after, love is what turned Anakin to the dark side. So it's almost like, yeah, 
what Anakin did was considered wrong. And later on, what Luke does is, and it what ends up making him save the galaxy instead. So, good one. What about you, Leo? Uh, so I mean, it's, it's kind of like cheating, but I'm gonna go with the Imperial March as far as the that piece of score, because mm-hmm. uh, everyone, much like the Star Wars March itself, you hear the Darth Vader theme, you know where that's from, you know what franchise it's from. It's become honestly iconic. Uh, and I think that even if you're not a fan of sci-fi or of anything like 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 of the geek genre, you know where that song is from. So I think the Imperial March is age the best. Right. Um, I have age best is Battle of Cloud City, the tunnel that like Luke goes in, and just the eeriness of that little mini battle between him and Vader. Then you cut off the head, and you see Luke's face, and you're like, "What the fuck does this mean?" And you just and it's so like fortune telling. You don't know it yet. Um, this is all about Dagobah. I think it's so well done because you don't know Yoda's Yoda yet. And I think, oh, and I think the Yoda reveal is just so outshined. But I think it's still a cool reveal. Like, oh, you, you're expecting some wise person. You get this little green guy. Yeah, it's awesome. And in two thousand and in two thousand twenty, if that scene happened with Luke killing, you know, chopping off Luke's own head, the internet would have probably shitted on it like they shit on everything else. <laughs> All right, for me, what's age best? I would say uh, the the Vader Luke lightsaber fight, the reveal. I actually was gonna put it. I would say I think the reveal is is, is the second best of all time. But if you really look at the context of the the world we live in today, it would probably not have gone well with the internet and certain people. And we're going to get into that a little later. Uh, The Carbonite scene, including the I love you, I know moment. I love that. Um, I do like Han rescuing Luke. And fun fact, I don't know if you guys knew this. The only time Han ever used a lightsaber was in that scene in Hoth when he rescues Luke. Mm -hmm. Uh, The score... The tone of the film, the dark tone of the film, uh, Leia kissing Luke. That's age worse as we kick off that. Oh, God. <laughs> oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> I was waiting for you guys here. No, no one took the no one took the bait there. Uh, yeah. So that scene kicks off age worse. I, I this is when I call bullshit on George Lucas saying he had a whole vision of this whole story because Leia kisses Luke twice. So and not just like, hey, how you doing? It's more like, hey, how you doing? Yeah, tough. <laughs> um, outside of that, I also have, um, I, it's a nitpick. And you, I think every Star Wars movie has one little scene that just feels like we're just killing time. I think Empire is, is more, yes, we do get Han and Leia's first kiss. But that scene where in, they're, they're hanging out in the Falcon in that creature's mouth. I think it's a little bit, you know, we could have gone without it. That's kind of the only nitpick I have with with the. Sure, you could have done that when they were on the back of the ship. You could have had that scene. Yeah, there. that's I'll the give o- you that. honestly, that's the only nitpick I have with Empire. Uh, do you, Vin? Do you have anything for that for Age Worse? I have, I have exactly that. To me, it's like out of everything in the movie, it's the one thing that people could possibly forget happened. Yeah, I, I totally agree. Um, it, it actually. It was in my argument that I had a few years ago with like when people don't like that scene in The Last Jedi, the casino scene. Mm. Um, I think there's more to it now. I, I actually do like it a lot more than I did back then, I, but I didn't hate it back then. And that was my argument. 
you can say it's a bad, you don't like the scene, but every Star Wars movie has a scene like that, that you kind of, you can kind of just for sit it, you know, set it and forget it and never think about it again. This one does have Han and Leia's first kiss. So you kind of can throw that as, as a reasoning for it existing. But like Ryan said, they could have done it in another scene. And what about you, Leo? Do you have anything? No, literally the same thing. I think that it's funny because like, as I was rewatching the movie last night, like as I'm watching that scene play out, I'm like, oh, this is really just like the casino scene. <laughs> uh, so yeah, no, I think that's the only thing that yeah, yeah you could kind of like take it or leave it. It's like okay, that's that's cool. What about you, uh, Rye? I have the incest. The fact that because what makes it the worst is in Return of the Jedi when Leia goes. I've always known. I've always known, yeah. <laughs> like, that makes it so much worse. Like, if you say, like, oh, okay, then okay. But no, I've always known. Then wh- why did you have no? Like, you were just a little it, bit it, away from slipping tongue. It was a closed mouth kiss, though. It was not like they were making out either. It was- no, but... Con- it- it was a it was a second away from a little bit of tongue. <laughs> it, it was probably Francis Ford Coppola's idea because you know how he does us. Alrighty, let's kick it. That guy award. Vin, kick us off here. Uh, Carrie Fisher for the <gasps> fact that Carrie oh, Fisher is I guess Leia you're right. and Leia is Carrie Fisher. Yeah, I guess you're right. Like, oh. Yeah. It's, maybe I'm doing this award differently. No, than you guys no, are, no, you, no, you, no. It, that's it's about right. You know, I just. It, Leia, Carrie Fisher, it's the same person to me. Yeah, I I, I, I agree. <laughs> that that was, <laughs> uh, oh man, I hurt because I love Carrie Fisher so much, but she is Leia. Ryan, do you have anyone different? Uh, yeah, I actually have Mark Hamill. Oh, wow. well, I guess okay. it's interchangeable. Same logic. Yeah, they really same are. Logic. I hear Mark, I mean, the only other thing I, I can think of when I hear Mark Hamill is Joker. So actually, Joker. no, no. Yeah, sorry to cut you off, Rye, but I actually will disagree then. I, I'm more with Vin on this than it is Carrie Fisher. Because you do have Mark Hamill's the Joker as well. But when I see him, I I see Joe I see uh Luke Skywalker. Yeah. Yeah. What about Skywalker. you, Leo? Do you is it? Carrie oh, it's totally different. Way different. No, for that guy I get Billy D. Williams. He's he's fucking Harvey Dent. Don't you disrespect Harvey Dent, Leo? <laughs> <laughs> it's Billy D. Williams. Most people you show Billy D. Williams, you think Lando. You, obviously, Batman fans know better, but Billy D. Williams is Lando. I mean, not all jokes aside, I think there are all solid choices. Uh, next up, let's see. What should we do next? Let's do. There's no crying in baseball award. Is there any scene in Return in Empire Strikes Back that brings some tears out? Ryan, I'll kick it off with you since you have no soul. Yeah, my no soul doesn't not cry in this movie. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not, man. We've been doing this category for months. It doesn't have to be fucking bloodshed tears. I'm talking about a little, you know, eyes watery kind of moment. I mean, maybe like the "I love you, I know" that warms my heart. What about what about you, Leo? Anything for you? Uh, no, unfortunately, nothing really on this one. I know that the whole disbelief of the reveal, maybe, but nah. What about you, uh, Vin? What do you have? Yeah, nothing really. I mean, yeah. I guess you can go with the Han frozen and carbonite. That's yeah. That's that's. I, I um, that's Ryan. I don't have anything either. I have no soul either. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I'll give you. I'll give you this. When you find out that they torture Han 
just to get to Luke. They, they don't ask him any questions. That does make me feel bad. Yeah, I mean, I would say if I did have That's to say point. something, yeah. If I had to say something, I would say I love you, I know, if I do had to pick something there. Mm. Detlef Shrimp, Sixth Man of the Film Award. I don't think any of you guys have the same one I have, so I'll go last year. Uh, Vin, what do you have? I have Frank Oz, Yoda. Oh, fuck me, because that's exactly I what have I have, too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I have to, I'm the only one with something different. Oh, wow. That's crazy. Yeah. Go ahead, Vin. Finish off on Frank Oz, how great he is. No, man. I mean, to bring that puppet to life, and, you know, they tell the story of it being a Jedi Master, and it's like, you just want to know how. You want to know more, and I think you did a great job. Yeah, I, mean, I, I What's agree. this movie without Yoda? Yeah, I, I think he is the soul of the entire saga Yoda is so I agree Frank Oz Frank Oz's work is incredible in this uh, Leo you had Frank Oz as well right and Rye well, who did you have I have James Earl Jones I, I think do. his portrayal as Vader in this one is his strongest honestly between his reveal as the father him just being like join us for dinner will you is just so and as in Klaus City, and just everything he does in this movie is so well done. Nice. All right, next up, Becky O'Shea Icebox Award. The MVP of the film, Ryan, piggyback, who's your MVP of the film? MVP is Yoda. Okay. Nice. Vin, what about you? Harrison Ford. That's Ooh. Leo, what about you? I got Vader. I have Harrison Ford as well. I actually... I I wanted to cheat and say Harrison Ford and Carrie Fisher because those two together yeah. in this movie are incredible. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I get why you guys say Vader. He's James Earl Jones and David Prowse. Like their that combo is fantastic. Uh, but yeah, that's that's who I have as the MVP of the film. Not last but not least, Peaks and Valleys. Who peaked with this film? Ryan, you're going to hate me for this one. If you say Carrie Fisher, Harrison Ford. <laughs> no, no, I, no, not one of those. Who is it? Billy D. Williams. Yeah. Go fuck yourself. <laughs> Besides Harvey Dent in one movie, he really Cole didn't 45, man. Cole 45. <laughs> oh, man. No, that's fine. I guess you're right. Uh, what about you, Leo? So it's a, it's a weird one, but I have Jeremy Bullock. Who, who's that? Boba Fett. Oh, yeah. Don't get me fucking because started on Boba Fett. Like, so that, that, that's, that, that's exactly my point. This character has become one of the most beloved, and I'm, I'm not a fan, but most beloved characters in canon. And the actor went on to do nothing else. <laughs> <laughs> and to this to this day, his voice has been replaced in the Star Wars movies. Yeah. So, so I went. I went. Jeremy Bullock, Boba Fett. What? What about you, Vin? Yeah, I have Boba Fett as well for the oh, exact same uh, reasons, man. So <laughs> I I went a little different direction here. So my peak was Irvin Kershner, the director. After <laughs> oh, after Empire Strikes Back, he directed Never Say Never Again and RoboCop Two. That's it. Wow! All oh, instant classics, right? <laughs> Yo, the funny thing is about um robocop 2 and i think i said this off the line irvin kershaw directing and frank miller wrote it how did that fail <laughs> how does that possibly yeah. fail yeah i think you said that in the, in the chat yeah chat. i said it off the line yeah 
All right, and then Valleys. I hope we have all the same one here too. Uh, does anyone not have Harrison Ford? I have Harrison Ford and Carrie Fisher. Yeah, I, <laughs> that's fine. I would actually. I have no problem with with either one of those. And then Leo, you have Harrison Ford, right? Yeah, and Ben Harris, Harrison Ford. Harrison Ford. Perfect. All right. Some facts here. I went with fifteen since it is Empire Strikes Back. If you guys have a little bit more, that. Feel free to let me know after. So let's get into it. Carrie Fisher stood on a box for many of her scenes with Harrison Ford. Why, you ask? Carrie Fisher is 5'1", Harrison Ford is 6'1". So they never they never had a scene where she wasn't standing on a box when they're standing up. <laughs> this is very, very well known, and you guys probably know this, but when Han Solo is about to be frozen, Princess Leia says, I love you. In the orig- original script, Han Solo was supposed to say, just remember that Leia... Because I'll be back. And he obviously I actually did not know that. Oh, you didn't? Okay. Yeah, that, that one's cool. a little bit more known. Um, obviously, he went with the I Know, and that's extremely cl- classic. It is actually on our wedding bands. I have I Know on my wedding band. Nice. Uh, number three, to preserve the dramatic opening of the Star Wars movies, George Lucas insisted on moving all the credits to the end of the movie. However, right, the WGA and the DGA... Be, they begrudgingly allowed this in, in, in 1977, but they refused to allow it now. They fined nearly $250,000 to Irvin Kirshner because the film was filmed that way. Wow. George Lucas paid all the fines. Fun fact, when you watch movies nowadays, I think it is a little bit more accepted now, but there are only a few directors that consistently have the credits at the end of their movies. Do you happen to know the most popular one? This guy is... Who would you say? This is Spielberg? No, it's not. Ryan, do you have any guesses? Not at all. Vin, do you have any guesses? No, Chris, Christopher Nolan. Uh, Christopher Nolan never has his credits until the end of the movie. So that that's... And I don't think he's getting fined. Uh, number four, having Han Solo frozen in Carbonite was done because it did not know if Harrison Ford was going to return for the last film. Number five... We talk about Frank Oz, but do you know that he was not originally suggest he was not originally going to play? He was not going to puppeteer Yoda. Do you guys know who was going to puppeteer Yoda? No guesses. Oh, I do. Jim Henson. Oh, that's kind of cool. So when Jim Henson couldn't do it because I believe he was doing the Great Muppet Caper in 1981, so they were filming in 1980 or 1979, they he recommended Frank Oz, and the rest is history. Uh, during principal photography, it was also unclear if Alec Guinness would return as Obi-Wan Kenobi, as he had just had eye operation at the time. He finally did agree and worked just one day on the movie. He arrived at 8.30 a.m. on September 5th, 1979, and completed all his scenes by 1 p.m., which he was paid a quarter of a percentage point of the movie's gross, which was worth millions oh, of dollars. Jeez. Lee Brackett's first draft of the screenplay contained a revelation that Luke of Luke's sister, her existence disclosed by the ghost of Anakin Skywalker, referred to as Neelith Skywalker. Anakin was not originally supposed to be Vader, uh, Luke's father. And I wonder yeah. where that would have gone. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the Dagobah set needed to be elevated to give Frank Oz enough room to move Yoda around. 
So if sense. you see the making of documentary on Empire, I think there is a a f- three or four feet space between the floor and the set to give Frank Oz enough room to like kneel and be able to move around. Oh shoot. This is this is interesting and I I don't think any of you guys, especially when we've talked about Star Wars, have ever said anything similar to this. But do you know that the I am your father is not Luke, I am your father, which is yeah. misquoted yeah. everywhere. The yeah. line is, no, I am your father. Even James Earl Jones on the Empire documentary says, Luke, I am your father. So he doesn't, he doesn't even remember. Uh, the blizzard on Hoth was actually shot in a real blizzard. Oh, shoot. Yeah, that's awesome. Harrison mm-hmm. Ford could not arrive at the filming location via regular train route as it was closed due to the bad weather, so he went on to the site on a snowplow. <laughs> <laughs> um, Darth Vader sarcastically inviting Han Solo to dinner is the only time that they interchange words in the entire saga. Um, the, I mentioned before, the character of Anakin Skywalker was, re- was originally not supposed to be the father, uh, but the, the idea was scrapped. Here we go. I did want to get into this for a bit. So Boba Fett, Vin, since this is your first time on here, and I don't think we've ever talked online about this. What are your thoughts on Boba Fett? Do you get the hype or do you, are you more on like, why is this guy so loved? Uh, more on why is this guy so loved? It's okay. got to be the looks. Like he looks awesome. Like I, I don't understand. And I talked about this last week when we were talking about the Mandalorian news. I just don't get it. He looks great, looks fantastic. But this goes into this next fact: Boba Fett in the entire saga because he doesn't talk until until he dies in in Return of the Jedi. In the entire saga, has five lines. Five, and that this... could be part of it. What are you talking about? Like that like could be like I'm just saying. Yeah, exactly. That could be part of it to people. Like I'm not saying I agree with it. I'm just saying to people that could be part of it. Like, oh, he looks cool. He looks, you know, he's mysterious. I don't know, man. That's tough. I, I, I outside of him having a good look, I just don't understand like the amount of love for that character. Um. I mentioned before regarding the box office, this is actually the only Star Wars movie not to gross $300 million domestically, which is crazy that a Star Wars movie would not gross that much. And finally, number 15, this is arguably the only movie of the original trilogy in which Darth Vader serves as the chief antagonist, as the main villain of the movie. We always talk about Darth Vader being one of the greatest villains of all time. But when I was looking this up, I'm like, wait a minute, that's actually true. In episode four, Tarkin is pretty much the one in charge. In episode six, it's the Emperor. So Vader only really has one movie that he's the head honcho. So ironically, ironically, it's the only movie that the Empire wins. So that should say something. Exactly. Yep. (laughs) And last but not least, let's talk about the legacy of... Empire Strikes Back before we get into just talking about the saga a little bit. Um, I think it's the greatest uh, Star Wars movie of all time. It's one of the greatest sequels of all time. I think everything about this movie has aged like fine wine to me except what people's reactions would be to it. Like I feel 
The Empire Strikes Back received mixed reviews from critics upon the release of the movie. I don't know if you guys knew that. But the film obviously has grown in 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 respectability throughout the last 40 years. But this brings us into a whole bag of, of that I want to open up with talking about the saga. After I get your thoughts, I'll touch more base on that. Uh, Ryan, Legacy of Empire. One of the best movies ever. One of the best Star Wars ever. Uh, I can watch it over and over again. Never gets old. Yeah, what about you, Leo? That's it. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's timeless. I think it's, uh, it's absolutely aged incredibly. I think, like you mentioned, this is a quintessential sequel, better than the original moment. Um, I find it, yeah, same, same. I think even, even when you have the MCU replicating, like, strategies because of the at-at scene, you know that you've, uh, you're still relevant. Yep. Uh, what about you, Van? What do you think? Yeah, I mean, age like fine wine. I think now when you say the word Star Wars, majority of people will have, you know, flashbacks to that movie specifically yep. over others. All right. So let's get let's get into this. Um, we've actually it's funny. We talk about Star Wars so much. We've never really broken everything down in terms of the saga that we're going to get into a little, for a little bit now. Um, here's my thing. I think the Vader reveal and I want to touch on this would be destroyed by the Internet today. And I think that people talk, and I hate, I hate that I always have to bring up The Last Jedi, but I'm going to anyway. It's a lot of choices, a lot of ballsy choices were made. And I I think The Last Jedi, and I I think we disagree in our rankings here. I think The Last Jedi is the best movie, the best Star Wars movie since Star Wars, since Empire, because of the risks that they took. Empire took a lot of risks. They took a lot of risks that worked. The last shot I took a lot of risks that worked. The difference is, is social media. The difference is that there is such a level of entitlement with people that if they don't get their theories completed or their theories manufactured to the screen, it revolves them being prissy little bitches and complaining on the internet. And I think if The Empire Strikes Back was released in 2020 and not 1980, Vader being Luke's father would have been eviscerated on the internet. It's the sense of nostalgia that people that complain about The Last Jedi's certain risks still put the Vader review on the pedestal because of the nostalgia and the acclaim that the movie has. I think Last Jedi will age very well in about 20 years. We may be looking at this movie a little bit differently from those that may hate it. Um... But that's how I feel in terms of the certain risks, in terms of when we're looking at the overall saga of Empire. I think the risks that it took are respected now because of the time that the movie was released. If you put it somewhere else in, in the t- where social media was more prevalent, we may get a different take. And then I guess, Vin, you can kick it off on what you think about that and your thoughts on that. I agree to an extent, like... I do think social media has to do with a lot with how movies are perceived nowadays. Uh, specifically with The Last Jedi, I actually really do like the movie. I will admit it's not one of my favorite. And I think the more I watch it, the more I like it. But just following what like The Force Awakens set up, I just don't think it followed it correctly. Um, like I was okay with some of the risks that took other risks. I feel like they were just doing it to be risky almost. Um, in terms of like... Empire, I feel like those risks fell perfectly with A New Hope. 
Uh, not as much as Last Jedi, Last Jedi with Force Awakens did, though. So I think uh, to piggyback, piggyback on what you said, then I think it's hard to follow Force Awakens because Force Awakens had to be the movie that it was to bring everyone back. Right. Like I think that Last Jedi was the movie that was meant to be the actual follow-up not because people look at force awakens as a remake of new hope and essentially a lot of aspects it is i love force awakens but in a lot of aspects it is and i think last jedi was like the sequel that mirrors people say that it's not that i i think it's similar to empire empire strikes back is a completely different movie than star wars a completely different movie yeah so that's kind of why I think why I think Last Jedi is the type of movie it is because when you look at Empire and you look at Star Wars, they're two completely different movies and two completely different tones, and that's exactly what Force Awakens and Last Jedi are. Last Jedi are two completely different movies, two completely different tones. But what I will give you is, I wish they would have just had one director for the entire new trilogy because it would have had Mo Co- right. More cohesive, more cohesiveness to it. Uh, Leo, what do you think? Yeah, I think you you encapsulated everything pretty much really well said. Um, yeah, I think uh, I think it's as, as a saga, like that's the only thing that made the the, the new the new trilogy a little bit like uh, half assed because we never got to see a complete vision. Um, and and it's in a sense it's because the, the the studio kept trying to appease fanboys. You kept trying to make the like the 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 I guess the minority, the law of minority, happy and go lucky instead of just staying the course and giving us a really full uh, full fleshed um, idea. And I think you're right. I think that if this movie were to come out now, um, you probably would have to come up with a whole campaign asking people not to spoil the ending. <laughs> Or that you'd be have petitioned online saying we don't this is not our Star Wars or something, yeah. something along those lines. Yeah. Ryan, what about you? Oh, Ryan decided not to join us for this conversation. Then oh no, my bad. I, I, yeah. <laughs> All right, what about you, Ryan? What do you think? No, the internet has ruined pretty much everything in the world, um, except for podcasting. Thank God. No, um, I think yeah, people will find everything to bitch about, but I think. A little bit is that, but a little bit is the people are looking to feel for Star Wars like they did when they were younger, and they don't get that with the new stuff, and that's what pisses them off. Like I got into an argument with someone just yesterday. Oh, I saw that. about uh, say again, I'm sorry. I saw that online. You, it was on a on a film page, right? Yeah, and I'm like, dude, like yeah, it was about right as car. Like it was a fine movie, and they just wanted to keep going. I'm like. All right, dude. Whatever. <laughs> like, I'm not gonna keep going. And I'll say, and... and I'll say this in terms of, and I don't know if you guys see it on your end, but I mentioned before when we were talking about revenge that the prequels are getting much more love, and I've seen people say it's better than the sequel trilogy. I don't think it is. But here's my thing: you look at the central character of the prequels, and you look at the central character of the uh, sequel trilogy. I. Th- I may be alone on this, but I don't think the principal character, despite what we are led to believe, is Ray. I think Ben is the principal character arc of the sequel trilogy, and that is executed perfectly, I think, in terms of his outside of the kiss at the end of Rise of Skywalker. I don't, I don't like that, but um, where he was, 
where he became after killing Snoke and where he ends up being he ends up dying. I, I, I would have hated if he lived because I just don't think after all the people he killed and he killed his father, I don't think that would have been a good look for him to just be like, OK, I can live happily ever after. I think his arc. Yeah, he had to go. Yeah, he had to go. Yeah. Like, I think his arc was better approach from start to end than Anakin's. Anakin's ended well, but episode one and two, you you can't root for this guy. Like, you can't root for this kid. He's annoying as a kid. He's annoying as a fucking teenager in episode two. By episode three, like, I can see why he got that Razzie nomination because we don't give a fuck anymore. I think the people that are out there saying that, oh, he's just some emo hot topic, a guy or whatever, I'm like, yo, you don't know Star Wars. You're a fucking idiot. And I think that it's one of those, you don't know the Skywalker family. Because if we're really looking at the whole spec, the whole scope, Anakin Skywalker is a whiny little bitch. Luke yeah. Skywalker is a whiny little bitch. Ben Solo is a whiny <laughs> little bitch. The mm-hmm. only person in the Skywalker family that is not a whiny little bitch happens to be Padme and Leia. 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 That's it. And an argument can be said that Padme is, gets whiny at the end. Yeah. Yeah. The, and, and an argument can be made there. But, like, it, it just doesn't... It, it never makes sense to me when the whole Ben discuss about like oh he's just a whiny guy i'm like yo luke whines for two movies that's all he does (laughs) like you mentioned him leaving dagobah because he loves his friends he was whining about it while leaving dagobah like it it it, it, it's just it fathoms i'm like i'm I'm, i can't even put words together like how annoying it is and that's why i don't bother arguing with star wars or debating star wars with people that don't know what the fuck they're talking about and I'm, i'm not saying i'm the I am or Ryan is or Vin is a fucking guru of Star Wars stuff, but I can have educational conversations with these guys. And Leo, you are a Marvel guru, but you know your Star Wars stuff just as much. So like I can have these conversations with you. So I've ran it for a few minutes. Vin, what do you think about the Kylo comparisons that I made there? I think they're spot on. If anything, Kylo's or Ben Solo is more comparable to Anakin than Luke is by far. And I think that's why in the sequel trilogy, my favorite character became Ben Solo, because in the prequels, it was Anakin Skywalker, mm-hmm. which it has a lot to do with. Also, I saw the Clone Wars, and I feel like that definitely changed my mind of the way I perceive Anakin. Yep. Um, but yeah, no, I definitely agree. Do you think, um, speaking of of um, of Ben, do you think if Luke had that type of persona, but he, you know didn't turn to the dark side but was more conflicted do you think that would have helped the character of luke or affected the character of luke i think it your and the answer to that depends on what time the movie was filmed yeah, back then true. yeah that's true i don't think so but now yeah yeah all right uh leo what do, you mentioned rye what do you uh, think yeah no um i remember reading somewhere and this could be false so don't quote me but when they were coming up with uh, Kylo, they wanted to take everything that people hated about the other movies and put it into one character. So the complaining and all that, they took it and put it into Kylo. And I love, and even when he was throwing his tender tantrums, I thought it was badass. Like when he got pissed off and he destroyed that uh, council, or whatever, like the computer area. I thought that was badass. Like I didn't mind yeah. Kylo at all throughout. Even when people were bitching about, him, I'm like, you know what? Whatever you, people will find give. 
anyone give someone a million dollars on the internet, they will find something to bitch about. Yeah, they'll probably complain. So, Why yeah. didn't you give me this in hundreds? It, it's and, yeah. And, and, and to be clear, that's the separation between the Sith and the Jedi. The Sith are supposed to be governed by their emotions. You're supposed to throw tantrums if you can't control your emotions. Yeah, well, it, exactly. It's true, and <sighs> I think another thing that annoys me, and I don't know if it annoys you guys. While we love Star Wars, we have a full understanding that each of these trilogies were meant for a different demographic. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Different this, generations. The original trilogy, honestly, wasn't even for us. We weren't alive. No. But it happens to be the ones that we adhere to most. The prequel trilogy was for us. We were kids at the time. That was what the prequel trilogy was. It was for us. It didn't go as well. The sequel trilogy... I am. I have a little a goddaughter who is just getting into Star Wars for the first time, and her it is my goddaughter is actually the daughter of former. He used to be a host on the show, Lewis. Shout out to Lou. His daughter is just getting into Star Wars. Who's her favorite character? Ray. That's exactly who this new trilogy was meant to be for. Mm-hmm. And then you have little boys that can say, "Hey, I I like I like Ben. I like Kylo. I like what he does." So the only one that no one likes is Finn, but that's okay. That's okay. <laughs> um, I think most people just don't like Rose. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that uh, Rose. What do you think about Ben? What do you think about the Rose stuff? Since we've never gotten your take on that, I don't know. I just don't think it's necessary. Um, I wasn't a fan of the whole casino scene in the Last Jedi. I think what bothered me the most of it is the ending of it when she frees the horse or whatever they're called. Yeah, and she goes now it's worth it. Like, no, you failed your mission. All your friends are about to die because you failed. It's not worth it. <laughs> <laughs> that bothered me so much. Besides the scene kind of just not fitting in. And, but, I um, and I don't think any of us complained that she wasn't in Rise of Skywalker too much, right? Uh, not at all. Um, was- no, I, I, I didn't like the reason she wasn't in it, though. I didn't like that it was because of the fans getting their way. Yeah, that's yeah, what, that's what would she have done? Scenes. What would she have done? Um, what's the actor's name from Lost? Friend of JJ. Oh yes, yes, Sorry, yes. Gotta be yes. more specific. I know. No, <laughs> yeah. I don't have the name, but he's a token. Isn't wasn't he in Lord of the Rings? Dominic yes. yes, yes, yes. So she could have filled his role in some of the scenes he had. Yeah, he I agree. Kind of for just I, saying a couple things. I agree, one hundred percent. Um, I wanted to touch on real quick before we get into ranking our our, our Star Wars and finishing up. I was watching the Mandalorian show, not the series, like that new series that's like back behind the scenes on Mandalorian. Have you guys had a chance to check that out yet? I am. I'm on episode one. I finished episode one. I got to get to two now. Okay. What about you, Vin and Leo? No, not, not yet. yet. Okay. So I have never, I've always loved Darth Maul and I've always loved the, um, the light bat, the lightsaber battle in episode one, but I never looked at it this way. Uh, Dave Filoni, he was on a panel and he was talking about, and I, I'm sorry, with after this, I guess this is why I feel that the the prequels are justified for me with the Clone Wars and after hearing this. So, in episode one, Anakin meets Qui-Gon. Anakin has always been conflicted because he never really had a father figure in his life. Anakin Skywalker meets Qui-Gon Jinn. Qui-Gon Jinn is that father figure that's going to take him under his wing. He's going to train him. He's going to be a Jedi, so on and so forth. He's the chosen one. Um, Obi-Wan Kenobi, immediately when he finds out that they're bringing him on board, he can pretty much puts him in the same category as 
Jar Jar saying, oh, another useless life form is joining us. Cool. We get to that final battle. The entire saga, in uh, what, Dave, what Dave Filoni says, is based on that lightsaber battle. When Darth Maul kills Qui-Gon, he completes his mission. And what do I mean by that? Qui-Gon is the father figure Anakin never had. He is now dead. He he does not have a father figure anymore. Obi-Wan, out of respect to Qui-Gon, takes Anakin under his wing. They never really built that father-son relationship. They built a brother relationship. He, yep. Anakin never has a father figure that he can go to when he has these emotional breakdowns, so on and so forth, which eventually he looks at Palpatine as that father figure, which ultimately leads to him turning to the dark side. Exactly. When he said think, that, when he said that, I was like, "Oh my god, this is like incredible. This is so deep. It's so true." But go ahead, Ben. Sorry to cut you off. Yeah, I think that's why a lot of people like I get it. The whole Padme thing shouldn't be the main focus of why he turned. I think that should be the main focus because if you watch Revenge of the Sith with that in mind, it changes it so much. Like you see from the beginning to where the Jedi just their views are very similar to the Sith, and he starts noticing that. But except one of them is telling him, you know, he can't have emotions and he can't do things. He's not ready for things. And then the other one's telling him like, hey, I'm here for you. You know, we can save your family and do all these things. So like if they focus more on that, I think people would like the movie more mm -hmm. instead of, you know, just the love between him and Padme. And I think, too, um, I don't think it's talked about enough how the Sith really aren't, you know, have we look at Thanos as a perfect example. He has motives for what he does. And if you have a villain, that's the most important thing to, to, and I think the Sith looking at what you just said, Vin too, they have reasons to act the way they do. They don't, you know, right. necessarily killing people is not the best way to handle it, but they have reasons to feel the way they feel. And that's perfect. You nailed it when, you know, Anakin can't fall in love, but he falls in love and he has to hide it. He doesn't have to hide it. If he's a Sith, it's, it, it's, spot on leo do you have anything to add there no i think i think ben did, ben did a really good job on on explaining that um yeah i think it's like you you have to take all the information and then and then see the turn to understand and appreciate it um but uh but no no i think you guys pretty much hit it all on the head and Rye, any comments here no nah, you guys hit it perfectly all right so let's finish up by ranking our fucking star wars movies and i did not rank uh clone wars but if I did, it would be last. Um, so what we'll do is I will go. What about holiday special? <laughs> <laughs> I guess we can spend one minute on the holiday special. Do you like the holiday special, <laughs> Ryan? It's guilty pleasure. Leo? Yeah. Uh, I don't think I've ever seen it, to be honest. So you no. should watch it. You should watch it. And Vin, do you like it? Actually, yeah, it's guilty pleasure and nostalgic. That's all. I, um, on, I was in Disney. Uh, for Christmas for the holidays this year and on Christmas Day I wore a uh, Life Day shirt with Leia, Luke and Chewbacca and everyone at Galaxy's Edge no one says Merry Christmas to me everyone's like Happy <laughs> Life Day so yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm with you guys it's a guilty pleasure and the fucking Golden Girls are in it so and I do gotta thank uh, you Dave for my my ability to have it because we went to when we were at MonsterCon. You talked me into getting it. Yes, it's just good to have. Even if you don't yeah. watch it every holiday, it's just a good thing to have. Alrighty, so I'll kick it off. I'll go 
I ranked 11 of these. I will go 11 through 2, and then we will... I think we all have the same number one here, so... My number... My, Phantom Menace! <laughs> my, <laughs> my worst Star Wars movie is Episode 2. Do you guys have anything different? I have Episode nope. 1. I have Episode 1 as well. Oh, interesting. Yeah. I think I think because I take that lightsaber battle out of Episode 1... I don't think there's anything redeeming in episode two. That's kind of why I went there. Uh, next up, I have episode one. So I guess you guys have episode two. Yes. Yeah. And Rye, what do you have? I have uh, episode one. Okay. Next up, I have Solo. Do you yep. got you guys have anything different there? Actually, I have Revenge of the Sith. Oh, man. I have Solo. Okay. I have Solo. Yeah. Next up, I have Revenge of the Sith. Same. What about you? I have Solo. And Vin? I have The Last Jedi. I'm going to, real quick, just want to speak on Solo, if we can just talk about it now. Yeah, go Um, ahead. ahead. I think it's so underrated. I think it's a little underrated. I feel like it's a fun movie. I think if it wasn't for the whiny internet fans, we could have gotten a lot more out of it, especially that ending with Maul and shit. I think it was a really well done, especially with all the drama that it had between changing directors midway through and all that. I think it was a good movie, and it was a fun Star Wars movie, and I don't know why it gets the flack that it gets half the time. So, I agree it's a good movie. I actually do enjoy it, but I also think it's the most forgettable Star Wars movie. There's, I'll give you that. Like, I think episode one and two, I, do, I just don't like them. I don't think they're they're good movies, but and that's why I have Solo higher. But I'll say I think about episode one and two more than I ever do solo. So that's okay, kinda, I'll give you that. That's kind of yeah. where I'm at. I like solo. I mean, I enjoyed it a lot. Like, this list for me, I really love Star Wars. So I can put on attack, like Attack of the Clones and just enjoy it. You know, yeah. I'll take the good parts of it. I'll probably fast forward through the cringe. But so this ranking is about all movies I like. So I'm not going to hate on any of them. But I really did like solo and having it. So low doesn't really knock it in any way for me. Yeah, it's like when you rank the MCU. Like you can have exactly. outside yeah. for me, you I could have there's twenty four movies. I specifically just don't like one of them. Everything else is solid stuff, so I totally see where you're coming from there. Um next after Revenge of the Sith, I have the I have Rise of Skywalker. Uh what do you guys have as same. your same? What about yeah. your eye? I have Force Awakens. Oh, it's just so oh. That's, oh, oh, man. What about you, Vin? What do you have? Uh, after that, I have Return of the Jedi. And the next Whoa. one. After, <laughs> I, I um, I originally had Rise of Skywalker after Return of the Jedi. I guess real quick, Vin. Yes. Let me ask you something. Would it be higher on your list if instead of Ewoks, it was Wookiees? Possibly. Um, I mean, let's see what I have. I have because that was the original plan. Return of the Jedi. It might. It's just to me. I love Return of the Jedi. I think it's great, but I think it's just all about Vader and Luke in that movie. Everything else yep. to me, I, I kind of just like push it to the side. You know, even the Return to Tatooine. I love. Uh, I I don't know. I like the beginning as well. I think my issue with Return of the Jedi is exactly what Vin said. I think when I first saw Return of the Jedi as a kid, I was like, "Oh, I'm entertained." Obviously, we're all entertained with these, but. Why is we not getting more Luke and and Vader and the Emperor? Yeah. That movie, yeah. if it's just them, is probably up there with Empire. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, I think Return of the Jedi. It's another one of those people think it's a lot better than it really is 
because of I don't like the Ewoks. I I just think it's I think it's a little silly that the Ewoks are the one to take down the second Death Star in reality. <laughs> I think it's stupid. Uh but yeah, I have Return of the Jedi right after Rise of Skywalker. Um what do you guys have? So that would be number seven. Right number seven. So number wait, we're on number seven I have four is awake, so number oh, six. Oh no, number six, well. yes. Number six, Skywalker. And what about you, Leo? At six, I have returned. And Vin, what did you have for number six? I have Rogue One. All right. Number, Ooh, f- number five, I have Rogue One. And Rogue One, I don't think anything's ever going to move these top four for me, but Rogue One is so, so good. It was one of those movies that I went in, like, and it's it grown on me. I liked it a lot at first, but I didn't love it. I also was had to get, I had to, get comfortable with someone else not being John Williams doing a Star Wars score. And anyone knows me, I'm a huge fan of scores. But that yeah. Rogue One score is so baller now. And Michael Giacchino is also doing the Batman score, so he did the score to this, and he does the score for a lot of Pixar movies. Uh, the score is really dope, but the story, the overall arc of that movie is incredible. And you don't need one lightsaber, even though you do get a badass scene with Vader at the end. Yeah. But that scene... Rogue One is incredible. Uh, that was my five. What do you have, Rye, for your five? I have Return of the Jedi. Okay, and then Leo? My number five is Last Jedi. Okay, and then what you had uh, Rogue One too, right, Vin? I had Rogue One at six. Six. What's your five? Five, I have Rise of Skywalker. All right, perfect. All right, top I, four. I guess I'm the highest with Rise on that list. Uh, yeah. yeah, I had yeah. Rise yeah. at six before... Um, I saw Return of the Jedi again. I mean, I I love both. I love. Rise yeah, five and six are interchangeable. For yeah. Me. <laughs> uh, all right, top four. I think outside of the top two, we may get the same here. Um, number four for me is Force Awakens. What about you? Vin? I have. Le- I'm sorry, Vin. You're number four. Four. I actually have a New Hope. Oh, New. Oh, wow. Yeah. All right. Who, all right, Vin, ex- you're late to the game. Who shot exactly. first? Exactly. Oh, Han shot first. Okay, good. How about <laughs> right? How about Han's the only one that shot? <laughs> what uh, about uh, four? Yeah, go ahead. Ryan. I have Last Jedi. Okay, and then Leo. What about you? Rogue One is my number four. Love it. All right, number three. Vin, what do you have? Number three. Uh, you guys are gonna hate me, but this is where I have Empire. <laughs> wow. <laughs> If you want, after we go through this, I'll go through my list and I'll give you just a quick explanation on why okay. I have everything. I, I, I have to hold on. I think I'm having. <laughs> I think I'm having I have a to stroke. Explain myself somehow. <laughs> I'm having a stroke. Give me a second. Because right, I'm go ahead. This as my favorite, not like the best. No, no. Exactly. I'm ranking these. Exactly. As, I'm ranking this as my favorite too. Uh, right, go ahead. I have New Hope as number three. And Leo. Force Awakens is number three. All right, and then I have Last Jedi is my number three. Uh, number two, I have Star Wars. Rye. Number two, I have Rogue One. Nice. Nice. You really love that movie. I do, and it gets better every time I watch it. It does. It does. Because, it, it, you know what? It has a perfect mixture of heart, humor, and spectacle, in my opinion. Between, what was the droid's name? Um, K2SO. K2SO. You know, my favorite lines is, we are rescuing, please do not resist. And the blind guy getting uh, the bag over his head, I'm blind, are you kidding me? (laughs) Still cracks me up to this day. 
Leo, what's your number two? A New Hope. And Ben, what's your number two? Uh, the Force Awakens. All right, and then and real quick on also on Rogue One, the uh, most badass Vader we ever see. Absolutely, I agree. Oh, 100%. We need more of that. Yeah. I don't know. Have you guys played Jedi Fallen Order game? Uh, I am not. I know Vader's in the game. I'm not up to there yet, but I love the game so far. How is Vader? Yeah. At? Whether you play it to the end or if you don't play it, just go watch the ending of it on YouTube and you'll get more love for Vader than you probably already have. Nice. And then my number one, Ryan's number one, Leo's number one is Empire, correct? Yes, sir. Correct. All right. Let's hear it. What's your number one, Vin? Revenge of the Sith. Oh, go ahead. Let's hear it. Yes. Uh, so, like I said before, this is the one that, you know, flipped the switch for me. Uh, um, and I think a lot of it has to do with eventually watching the Clone Wars. And I view it from, like I said, not the Padme stuff, but more of the Palpatine and Anakin stuff. Mm-hmm. And to me, that's, I will always go back to that one and rewatch it and be entertained throughout. Not saying I won't be by Empire and everything, but basically, once I saw Revenge of the Sith, I was like, all right, I'm in. Then I saw A New Hope, which was great, but it wasn't as good as Empire was. So the Empire kind of brought it back up. But I will always go back to the nostalgia that Revenge of the Sith gave me when I first saw it. And my two favorite characters in the whole story are Anakin and Obi-Wan. And that's where they play out the best. So, And that, yeah. make, that makes perfect sense as to why. Because especially, that's what brought you in the game. Right. I'm not saying it's the best movie by far. No, if no. you if we did that, I'm saying empires. But yeah. my favorite, it's Revenge of the Sith, and that's totally cool. Especially since that's what brought you in the game, like you mentioned before. So, all right, guys, that wraps everything up. We we hit nice little two hour jam packed episode for you guys. Next week, we are going to kick off the summer blockbuster season that will not be for us in 2020. By looking back at our 25 favorite summer blockbusters of all time. Vin, thank you for joining us. You are more than welcome to come in on any Star Wars episode or any episode that you want to come in. Thanks. Thank you, guys. It was fun. See you at the movies.